As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by PointsBet. Guys, it's finally here. Sports Drink and PointsBet have partnered up to bring you the world's greatest BTU-themed threads for the Bears season. Just imagine the blue and orange confetti cascading down from the rafters of State Farm Stadium while you're donning the greatest t-shirt known to man, a Bears Talk Underground t-shirt. And it's very simple. You got to go to sportsdrink.org slash shirts, fill out the quick Google form, register for your points bet account, and deposit at least $10. That's all it's going to cost you. You want to get your hands on this t-shirt, and then finally you upload your proof of deposit uh, as well. Once you submit, our beautiful friends will have your shirt out the door and on the way to you. And once again, that is sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Once again, sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Guys, I'm in my 16th season doing this show. It's the first time I've had a shirt available for my podcast. I'm so proud to finally have one, and I want you to have it. So follow the steps and get yourself your very own Bearstock Underground t-shirt today. And thank you to PointsBet for partnering up with Sports Drink. And thanks to PointsBet for sponsoring the podcast. <laughs> What's up, guys? Here we are already back. Week number seven of the NFL. And uh, we've got a special guest uh, with us uh, today that's going to be coming at the end of the show. We're going to do things a little bit different uh, this week. Uh, I'm going to do my regular breakdown, my rundown, quote-unquote analysis, because... When you go five and nine, are you really an analyst anymore or just somebody who sucks at making picks? It's just one of those things. But we're going to break everything down, talk about the, the matchups and, and all that kind of stuff. But I'm not going to make my picks. We're going to bring in our, our, our guest picker for the week. Uh, maybe we'll have more if this goes well, or maybe it'll be a disaster. But we'll see how it goes. But we're going to bring uh, our guest picker on at the end of the show, and that's where I'll make my picks. My guest will make their picks, and then that'll be how we do it. This time, so uh, I'm going to do my best to not, um, you know, like give it give away the picks. So you hear me making my picks twice and whatnot. But this is the first time I'm doing it, so we'll, let's see how it ha- how it goes. Let's so let's go ahead and get started. This is the Week Seven NFL Preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the Thursday night has us traveling to Glendale, Arizona, home of the Arizona Cardinals, where they will host the New Orleans Saints. And you guys already know this. I mean, I I haven't gotten a Thursday night game right since week one uh, when the Bills beat the Rams. I have been 0 for Thursday ever since then, including my beloved Chicago Bears losing last Thursday night to the Washington Commanders wearing the worst uniforms known to man, the, the head to toe orange. Well, thank actually, thank God it wasn't head to toe. It was just head to hips, I guess. Helmets and jerseys, just it was bad. And, you know, because the football gods have a horrible sense of humor, 
we get to see it again next Sunday against the Cowboys, and then hopefully we'll just pile all the jerseys and helmets at the 50-yard line, even though it's in Dallas, and, and set them on fire so we never have to see them again. I'm just hoping and praying for that. But um, anyway, so uh, number one, my record on Thursday nights makes me nervous about, you know, making an actual pick here and, uh, you know, because I, I can have all the logic in the world. Arizona is at home. They get DeAndre Hopkins back uh, this week. You know, they're coming off of a bad loss uh, to the Seahawks on Sunday, which for like the second or third time this season, they did not get into the end zone, or at least the offense didn't because the touchdown that Arizona scored was a special teams touchdown. So Kyler Murray and the offense for at least the third time this year, have not seen the end zone. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of getting to the point where, uh, you know, the, the rubber's got to meet the road here eventually with the, with the Cardinals because we're only a few weeks away from them being the subject of the in-season hard knocks. And the last few years under Cliff Kingsbury, when we get to this point in the season, the Cardinals are playing well. And, and I remember saying that it was such an intriguing team to have because we're getting into the meat of the season when that when that kicks off in early November and the last couple of years like last year after they beat the Bears they were 10 and 2 around this time uh, of year uh, last year and then they had that huge collapse it's like how interesting if the Cardinals get off to a hot start again and then while they're on on television week in and week out with this hard knocks they start you know they start losing again or they falter. It's like maybe with their slow starts and everything, they're sitting at two and four uh, right now. Maybe they'll do the opposite this year. They get off to the slow start and then explode out of the, uh, explode through the finish line to help them get the win. New Orleans, on the other hand, they're coming into this one off that loss to Cincinnati on Sunday, the week before. They had that big win over the Seahawks, snapping a three-game uh, losing streak where, where, you know, basically Taysom Hill carried the team uh, on his back with the four touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns, one passing touchdown, uh, and everything like that. You know, they played the Bengals tough. They've basically been in every game that they've played uh, this year. You know, they, they just barely beat the Falcons week one, 27-26. It was, you know, 2010 is like the biggest deficit they faced in in – in a final score uh, this year, they lost 20 to 10 to, to Tampa Bay. They lose a one score game to the Panthers. They lose the, you know, the, that field goal at the end of the London game uh, against the Vikings, you know, just a little bit to the, to the, just a little wide on, on what would have been a game tying field goal to send it to overtime. They come up short there. They have the back and forth touchdown Palooza against the Seahawks last week. And then last week, the, the or this past Sunday, they have that battle with the the Bengals where, you know, the Bengals outscored them 16 to 6 in the second half because they were putting their drives into the end zone where the Saints were just settling for field goals. So it's it's really hard to gauge. Both of these teams need this win. Both are 2 and 4. This is a critical point in the season uh for both of them and it's it's going to be difficult. Number one, it, it number one, it makes it difficult to make a pick. And then my anxiety over the fact that I haven't gotten a Thursday night pick right since the opening game of the season just adds to it. So I'm glad I get to think about it just a little bit more. But that's the tale of the tape that we have here. Uh, both of these teams are, are struggling uh, right now, you know, with the, 
with both of them being two and four, they both need a uh, a win. Arizona is zero and three at home, continuing their poor play from from last year. Because like last year they were like two and six, two and seven uh, at home. It, it was amazing. Like they that streak at the end of the year where they went from ten and two, uh, you know, barely made it in at like eleven and six or something like that uh, to the playoffs last year. They lost like five of their last seven games at home last year and 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 here they are once again 0 and 3 at home uh the Saints are 1 and 1 uh on the road so far this year <sighs> I know who I want to pick thank God I get to save it for later and um you know but the, the, the it's it's going to be an interesting uh game at least you know cuz the Saints are involved so it's going to be fun I think you know it can't be any worse than last Thursday's game that's for sure uh, between the uh, the Bears and the Commanders. So that's our Thursday night game. Now we move into the Sunday schedule and yet another really interesting matchup. It's an it's a uh, it's a surprise three and three Atlanta team coming off a big upset of the 49ers uh, on Sunday where they jumped out in front of, of the Niners early uh, in the game and pretty much never looked back. I mean the the Atlanta got up 14-0, the, the Niners tied it up, and then Atlanta scored that touchdown just before the half, and then end up that was all the points they needed. They added a touchdown late in the fourth quarter to make it 28-14, but uh, they shut the 49ers out in the second half and, and really kind of dominated and took advantage of the fact that the 49ers were shorthanded virtually everywhere uh, on the field. I mean, they've got so many guys banged up and on IR uh, right now, it would it would have almost been irresponsible for them not to win that game uh, on Sunday. And then you have the Bengals coming off that big win over the Saints in the Superdome on Sunday. Uh, you know they've won three out of their last four after an zero and two start, and the only game they lost was to the Ravens on Sunday Night Football when the best kicker in NFL history kicks a, a, a game winning field goal as the time expired. Uh, and everything. Otherwise, they, they'd have a really nice bounce back from that 0-2 start being on a four-game uh, winning streak right now. The, the thing that worries me about the Bengals is that they're still not quite as sharp uh, as they as they were last year. And I know it's a whole brand new season. They lost the Super Bowl, so you have that Super Bowl loser jinx kind of thing uh, going on and everything. The Falcons coming off a really, really impressive win uh, over the 49ers, but that was at home. This one is uh, is on the road. Uh, the Falcons being, you know, one and two away from the Dome, two and one at home. Since he's split uh, at home right now, one and one uh, thus far. You know, based on last week, Atlanta's playing better football, or at least more consistent football. Uh, the the Bengals are, you know, like one week, they're, they're the juggernaut. They're cranking out the points, and then the – the next week, it's like, oh, yeah, we just put 17 points on the board or they're struggling to get the offense going and, uh, and that kind of thing. So it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting dynamic that we have uh, in this game. Uh, I'd, I'd be leaning towards Atlanta if this thing was in Atlanta, but it's in, it's in Cincinnati uh, right now. So that gives me some, some pause uh, about confidently picking the Falcons uh, in this one. So... Um, I, it's, I, it should be a very interesting game for sure. Both of these teams are kind of on the upswing as in, you know, the Bengals winning three out of the last four, uh, Atlanta coming over, uh, coming off the, the big win to the 49ers, 
uh, last week. Uh, you know, they were a really bad roughing the passer call away from possibly, you know, getting, a, you know, because that was third down when that happened to Grady Jarrett, when they when they had that terrible, terrible uh, roughing the passer call on, on Brady uh, and everything. Did you know Brady got fined for kicking Grady Jarrett? And yet Grady Jarrett is the one that got flagged for uh, roughing the passer. Uh, and everything that gave the Bucks a fresh set of downs, and I don't really think they gave the ball back to Atlanta after that. Otherwise, they've also won three out of the last four after an zero and two start. Um, you know, they probably should have beaten the Saints Week One because they were up by like sixteen points in the fourth quarter. They were just short on their comeback against the Rams. They outlasted the Seahawks Week Three. They beat the Browns uh, the following week. Uh, you know, at home, and then they have the have that Buccaneers loss there in the middle of it, but bouncing back with a really impressive win uh, against the 49ers. So this is going to be a tough pick. It's going to be a, a tough pick, but it's, it should be uh, an entertaining game, especially if both teams show up to play. Uh, that should be fun. So moving on, we have Detroit at Dallas. Um, yeah, this one isn't uh, – what makes this game interesting <laughs> is, A, we'll see if Detroit can bounce back from their terrible performance in New England, where the highest scoring offense in the NFL, averaging 40 points a game in the first four games of the season, gets the goose egg uh, against the Patriots. They were on the bye uh, last week, so they've had two weeks to marinate over getting shut out 29 to nothing against the Patriots two weeks ago. And the Cowboys are going to have Dak back, or at least it looks like it anyway. He's been cleared to practice and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Cooper Rush finally lost his first game as their, uh, as their emergency uh, quarterback, so he finally lost the football game, but being 4-1, and one, it's really nothing to cry about. Cooper Rush got the job done. You know, he kept the ship uh, afloat and actually helped the ship move forward uh, while Dak Prescott was out, but now that he's been cleared to play, I'm sure they're going to get him back on the field as quickly as possible. If not, we as Bear fans will get to see him for sure uh, next Sunday, whether or not he plays uh, this weekend uh, or not. So, you know, yeah, Detroit, at least before last Sunday, was the highest scoring offense uh, in the uh, NFL. The only problem with that is they're also the, they give up the most points on defense uh, as well. Going into that uh, New England game, they'd scored like 140 one points and they'd given up 142. So that's why uh, Detroit's only managed to win one football game so far. And you're going into Dallas where they have guys like CD lamb and, and Tony Pollard and, and, and Zeke Elliott and, and you know, all of the other weapons that they have. And Dak Prescott might be a little juiced up playing his first game in six weeks. So uh, does not spell good things for Detroit if they don't show up to play. Uh, on Sunday against the uh, Cowboys, you know, the the Detroit, the way they've been uh, playing offense and, and scoring points and everything, they can definitely make this thing interesting. Uh, but, you know, if their defense doesn't show up to play and they haven't yet, quite frankly, um, it could be a very long afternoon. Could be interesting as far as like fantasy points and and watching them try to break the scoreboard, scoring touchdowns uh, and everything. But uh, otherwise, it probably won't go well for the uh for the Lions. So, I mean, Dallas is a much better football team. Four and two right now. Detroit one and four coming off the bye uh, and everything. 
and they're coming off that really bad loss to uh, to New England um, a couple of weeks ago. So we'll see. It, it could be either the biggest dud of a game because the Cowboys just come right out and just blow them up, and you know Dak is over here throwing this ball over the place, and you know the guys are juiced up because their leader is back, and they just run Detroit off the field. Or golf can come in and start slinging the ball around, and they're they're running the ball well and scoring points like they have all season long, minus that New England game. And it could be interesting. It, it's uh, it could go either way. Either way, I think I know who's going to win. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, moving on, Tennessee hosting the Colts. Um, I think Tennessee was off last week, if I am not mistaken. I be- yes, they were, because the last team they played was the Commanders, and that was the last team we played. So they were off last week, but they are currently on a three-game uh, winning streak, sitting atop the topsy-turvy AFC South right now. They, too, also started 0-2, that, that fingernail eyelash loss to the Giants week one, that trouncing they took from the Bills on Monday Night Football, 41-7, to just getting run off the field. But then they bounced back. They beat the Raiders uh, at home. They went on the road, and they beat the Colts. They, uh, they beat the Commanders uh, just before the bye. Crazy interception at the gun uh, to preserve uh, the victory. And now they have a rematch with the Colts uh, in Nashville uh, on Sunday. The Colts themselves coming off this really exciting football game against the uh, Jaguars uh, on Sunday where, where the Jags had a decent lead on them. Uh, and the Colts come back on this like 10 minute drive uh, to score the uh, game winning touchdown uh, and, and, and to come back and kind of like steal uh, a win uh, from Jacksonville. And um, you know, the, the, it just, it was really interesting because I don't know if it was brilliant coaching on the Indianapolis side or poor coaching uh, on the defensive side, that clearing route, they just kept running over and over again where they'd have those wide receivers on, on one side of the formation run their defenders up the field, opening this void in the field, and then they would just run a wide receiver into that area, throw it to them every single – it worked virtually every time. Now, I know I was watching a condensed version of the game on a 12-minute highlight reel of a three-hour game, but it just seemed like every time I saw that play get run, it was successful uh, for the Colts. So – you know, maybe it's just the combination of brilliance on the Colts side and, and incompetence on the Jaguar side. I mean, because it it was it becomes more incompetent the more time they run it and they just keep being uh, successful uh, with it. So uh, we'll see if if they can you know scheme up something for that against the uh, the Titans uh, on Sunday. It's like both of these teams are kind of on the uh, upswing uh, right now with the Colts. You know, having won three out of the last four, it was like I know they kind of had a a sour taste in their mouths or, or left one in the in the mouths of everyone who watched Thursday Night Football a few weeks ago, but they did win that game against the Broncos, twelve to nine, uh, in overtime. They had that surprise victory over the Chiefs a few weeks ago to finally get a win uh, on their record because they started with the tie against Tennessee, then got blanked by the Jaguars week number two in Jacksonville. So you're thinking they don't have a snowball's chance in hell of beating the the defending, you know the you know the team that's probably going back to the Super Bowl or at least going to have something to say uh, about it by the end of the year. And they went ahead and beat them and made it look easy. Quite frankly, the Chiefs did not play a good football game that week. But then they play the Titans the first time at home, 
and they lose that game, but back-to-back wins over the Broncos and over the Jaguars. So they're 3-2-1 and one, uh, right now, looking to take the lead uh, in the South because they would be 4-2-1. and one. The, That would drop the um, Titans to 3-3, three and three, so they would be atop the AFC South. So this is an early first-place matchup uh, for these two teams. It's also a rematch. The Colts looking to avenge their loss from a couple of weeks ago and beat the Titans in their house the same way the Titans beat them in theirs, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. The Titans should be rested coming off of the uh, the bye and everything, should be getting some guys back and, you know, some guys that were nicked up or, or missed some time should be able to pull some guys off of the injury list. Those uh, those bye weeks can be critical and, uh, you know, you can get a lot of, uh, get a lot of help when uh, the guys have some chance to heal and um, uh, and everything like that. So this will be one that I'm keeping an eye on uh, on Sunday with the Bears uh, not playing until Monday night, of course. So uh, keep an eye on that AFC South battle. Speaking of our good buddies, the Commanders, they are at home on Sunday hosting the Green Bay Packers. And under most circumstances... I would say this was a gimme game for Green Bay because they are, no matter, no matter how you slice it, a better football team than the Washington Commanders. However, Green Bay has not been playing good football. You know, they, they, they struggled against the Patriots a few weeks ago. They got it handed to them on Sunday in their own building uh, by the Jets, 27 to 10. Just they got embarrassed especially towards the end of the game when, when the Jets were pulling away. Brees Hall just running the ball, doing whatever he wanted. Uh, that defensive front of the Jets harassing Rodgers on a regular basis uh, in the football game. Uh, you know, special teams appears to still be a problem. They got two kicks blocked on Sunday. One field goal, one punt, uh, and everything. This is why they went out and spent that money uh, luring uh, Rich Biasacci away from uh, the Raiders and possibly away from the Bears. The Bears are one of those teams interested in bringing him in as special teams coordinator. He goes to uh, Green Bay. You see a slight improvement, but this is the kind of stuff that's supposed to be avoided when you bring one of the more higher regarded uh, special teams coaches to run your unit. And uh, it ended up being a big difference in that game uh, on Sunday, especially that second block kick. So, um, you know, Green Bay's really struggling. Uh, right now, that offense is missing Devontae Adams, no matter what uh, Aaron Rodgers wants to sell you one. That young receiving core plus Alan Lazard not really getting the job done uh, right now. I mean, last week, Robert Tunyon, their tight end, was their leading receiver with 10 catches uh, and everything. I mean, I think that says a lot uh, about how he's relying on those receivers when, you know, the tight end, granted a good, solid tight end that got a lot of targets before, but he was the leading pass catcher, had the most targets by a lot uh, in that ball game uh, as well. So, you know, I still think Green Bay is the better team. Washington is a garbage unit, not to mention uh, Carson Wentz is not going to play. He, that, that thing that he was doing on Thursday night against the Bears where he was constantly shaking his hand and all that kind of stuff, turns out he fractured his ring finger on his throwing hand. He's out four to six weeks, so... You know, he, he played with that broken finger for the for the result of 99 yards and a win against the Bears on Thursday, and now he's going to be taking a siesta 
for the next month and a half nursing that uh, that ring finger injury. Playoff hero from 2020, Tyler Heineke, uh, is going to be starting at quarterback for uh, Washington. So, you know, um, prior to the way that the Jets dominated Green Bay on Sunday, I could have easily just easily chosen Green Bay to win this game. But it's I have pause now, especially with the way that that defensive front harassed Aaron Rodgers and with the way that we know Washington is capable. Because not only did they do it to the Bears, they did it to the Titans. They've done it to, I mean, to the Eagles uh, as well, getting after Jalen Hurts and, uh, and all those. Those guys up front can get after the passer. It wasn't just the Bears and their bad pass protection that they've had all season long. They've done it to other teams. They've done it consistently. So if uh, Green Bay was having that much trouble with the Jets, it could be a very long afternoon against the Commanders. And if they lose to Washington, then it might be time to hit the panic button in Green Bay. It really might. So that will be definite. I think that's actually the game I'm going to watch on Sunday in the, in the afternoon is the Washington game just to see how Green Bay responds to that loss to the Jets. Moving on to Carolina, the Panthers hosting Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And again, you looking through the 2021 lens, this would be an, a game where you easily pick Tampa Bay. And they are still easily the better of the two teams. I mean, Carolina's already fired its head coach and has got the interim guy running the team uh, for the rest of the season. Now, Baker Mayfield is on the uh, injured list right now with the, I believe, an ankle uh, injury. Uh, I did read that Sam Donald returned to practice. I don't know if that automatically makes him the starter. P.J. Walker uh, was the starting quarterback last week um, against, who did they play? The Rams, that's right. Uh, But P.J. Walker was the starter last week against the Rams. But this is a team that is not playing good football. I mean, they... They they had that tight game with the Browns week one. They had another close game with the Giants week two. They finally pulled one over on the Saints, but that had more to do with special teams than uh, anything else. They they dropped that one to the Cardinals. They got stomped by the 49ers. That's what got their head coach fired. And then last week, offense only generates three points. The other points, the only touchdown they scored last week was a pick six that Stafford threw early in the football game. Uh, otherwise, the Rams dominated them, especially in the uh, in the second half. So this is a team that is struggling. I don't know if P.J. Walker is going to be the starting quarterback this week or if Darnold returning to practice automatic makes, automatically makes him uh, the starter. That will be something to keep your eye on. But they're still going up against the Bucks. They still have, you know, oodles and oodles of talent more than um, than Carolina does. And I'm not really worried about who the quarterback is for Carolina as to which one will be more productive because that defense is going to shut Carolina down. What I'm really worried about is how much Tom Brady and that offense is struggling right now. Last week against the Steelers, a game that they should have won, settling for field goal after field goal as opposed to like last year where they would have found a way to put it in the end zone. You know, they're, they're, they still have like the full – uh, the full slate of uh, of talent there with uh, with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Um, uh, you know, Leonard Fournette is playing awesome 
right now, but they just cannot score points. They just not, you know, score the touchdowns, get the ball in the end zone. I mean, their kicker is definitely earning his paycheck each week. It's like, you know, it was a long day for the kicker if he needs a shower after the game. I mean, that's how busy they kept him uh, in that one on Sunday against the, uh, against the Steelers. Uh, and that's been something throughout. Like when they won week one against the uh, Cowboys, 19 points, and their, their touchdown didn't come till late uh, in the third quarter. You know, only 20 to 10 over the Saints. They lost 14 to 12 uh, to the Packers. And then on Sunday night football against the Chiefs, they finally figure out how to score some points. They put up 31 against the Chiefs, but that was the day that their defense didn't show up. You know, they only allowed three points, 10 points, and 14 points going into that Chiefs game. And the Chiefs cracked the code and scored 41 uh, against Tampa on national TV. And then we've already talked about how they basically got away with one against the Falcons uh, two weeks ago because of that Grady Jarrett roughing the passer. That was just ridiculous. But they only scored 21 points in that game and then only 18 last week against the uh, Steelers. You know, it's just not a just not a good look. 18, 39, 70, 82, 92, no, 82, 102, 121. So they're they're averaging right around 20 points a game uh, right now. So they got 121 points in six games. So just about 20 points uh, a game so far this year, well below what they were what they did the first two years uh, with Brady uh, running that offense. So that is the thing that's that's uncharacteristic and that has me worried about virtually any game that the Buccaneers play in is like, you know the defense is going to be able to keep things close, keep them in the game, but will the offense be able to generate enough points to actually get them uh, a victory? Right now, that's not a 100% certain yes like it has been uh, these last two seasons uh, with Brady at the helm. So, you know, while they should easily pound Carolina into the ground – it might be a lot closer than it needs to be simply because Green Bay is struggling so excuse me, Tampa Bay is having so much trouble getting the ball into the end zone. Moving on, Jacksonville hosting the Giants. Talk about a team that's let me down this year, man. I mean, I was on the 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 uh the Jacksonville bandwagon when they when they uh went up, you know, two and one and gave the Eagles a rough game in week four to fall two and two. But they've lost two in a row now. First at home against the Houston Texans, who might be the worst team in the NFL right now. And then this past Sunday, uh, they let the Colts come back and, and uh, beat them uh, in, the, uh, in the rematch uh, and everything. So it's like, I don't know what to think uh, about Jacksonville. Thankfully, they're playing the Giants, who are playing out of their minds right now. I mean, Brian Daybowl is... is is going to be coach of the year if he keeps this up for sure. You know, the Giants inexplicably with the guys that they have on their football team right now, they don't have a wide receiving core. Their offensive line is banged up or young because they've got like two, three young guys uh, on that offensive line. Daniel Jones is Daniel Jones. It's all they've really got to write home about is Saquon Barkley, but they're five and one. They're five and one. They just keep winning games. And actually they're like, one bad quarter away from being undefeated. They had the lead in the fourth quarter against the Cowboys on that Monday night game, and the Cowboys just came roaring back and, and, and took the game away from them there at the end. So, I mean, I, it's the Giants are playing really, really good football 
right now to the point where everyone is taking them seriously now. It wasn't like, well, this might be the worst three and one team. This might be the worst four and one team. It's like, well, the last two weeks, they beat Green Bay in London, they beat Baltimore at home, and they were both solid wins. It wasn't like they were fluke plays or bad penalties uh, or anything like that that gave the game to the Giants. They're earning these victories. So people are starting to take them seriously, and they're going into Jacksonville. Hopefully the that Florida heat and humidity won't hurt them too bad, and they'll be able to be themselves uh, down there. But it's like Jacksonville, after a really impressive start, uh, going uh, you know two and one, and everything, and actually should have been three and zero oh, because they should have beaten Washington week one. But um, you know they're struggling right now. They're two and four. They've lost three in a row, uh, and they've they not look good uh, in the process as well. So um, you know I, I, the Giants are playing outstanding football right now. It's hard to pick against them. Last Sunday early game, the Ravens who let me down last week. <laughs> against those Giants that are playing outstanding football, hosting uh, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, the Browns let me down last week as well because I foolishly picked them to beat the Patriots, and that did not happen. Um, you know, they, um, they, they, they beat the Panthers week one. They, they lost that, uh, that crazy comeback to the Jets week two. They beat the Steelers on Thursday night football, and then they've lost three straight. Very close games against the Falcons and the Chargers. That Charger game, they had a chance to win it with a field goal at the end, and the kid missed it. Um, so they came up short there. And then they just it – was, it, was it was a tight game until the fourth quarter, and then just out of nowhere, at 24-15, they turned the ball over twice. Both of those resulted in touchdowns for New England to run away with it there at the end. It's like if, if you were watching that game for the first 56 minutes or so – of that game, it was a 24 to 15 game. It was a, you know, a, a tightly contested game. And then there at the end, it was just two bad blunders that, uh, that the Browns or excuse me, that the Patriots took care, uh, took advantage of, uh, and, and pulled away. It's like, they've lost three in a row, four of their last five right now, not playing good football. And the schedule is not kind to them at all. They have the Ravens this week, the Bengals next week. Then they're at at Miami, at Buffalo. Those are the next four games. That is brutal. And then if you want to pile on, they got the Buccaneers after that, uh, the weekend after Thanksgiving. So, yeah, they could, they could essentially, looking at this, they're not going to be favored in any of these games. They could be looking at an eight-game losing streak before they finally play the Texans first week in December, which is also the first week that Deshaun Watson will be eligible to play. How interesting is that? You know, he'll look like a hero. I mean, think about it. The Browns play this crazy schedule, Ravens, Bengals, Dolphins, Bills, Buccaneers, and then first weekend in December, Deshaun Watson is able to come back and playing against the worst team in the league, his former team, and snaps a game, snaps a eight-game losing streak. He'll look like a hero. He will look like a hero, at least in Cleveland. Anyway, because what do those people know? But, um, you know... It's, it's a messy situation. Baltimore looking to bounce back from, from that loss uh, to the Giants. Uh, you know, they've been on a win-loss, win-loss um, pattern so far this year. They beat the Jets week one. They lost to the Dolphins week two. They beat the Patriots week three. They lost to the Bills week four. They beat the Bengals on Sunday Night Football week five. They lost last week, week six. And here's the thing, though. Those three losses 
all three of them, they had leads and they gave them up. The Dolphins was the most egregious one. They were up like 35 to 14 going into the fourth quarter, something like that. And they allowed, you know, Miami to come roaring back and, and steal that game from them at home. Same thing a couple of weeks later against the Bills. They were up like 20 to 3 at one point. They lose the game 23 to 20. And then they were up 20 to 17 uh, against the uh, Giants, gave up that game winning touchdown late in the, in the football game. So, you know, by all rights, the, the Ravens could be a 6-0 team, but uh, they keep forgetting that you have to play an entire 60-minute game in order to walk away uh, with the victory. So as soon as they figure that out, they'll be in really good shape, and, and hopefully they can put a 60-minute 60 60 minute game against the uh, Browns uh, on Sunday because uh, they need a win to stay relevant. They're 3-3 three and three right now, and there are a lot of middle-of-the-road teams as far as records uh, are concerned. Nobody's really running away with anything, especially in the AFC North. But, um, you know, they need a win uh, because this would be a division loss on top of uh, everything. So they can't really afford uh, to lose this game. They can't afford to lose to the Browns. So it's a victory that they need. The, like I said, Cleveland's on a three-game losing streak. They need a win, period. Baltimore needs a win to redeem themselves from last week and to stay atop the middle-of-the-road AFC North right now. Moving into our late Sunday games, we got Denver hosting the Jets. And, man, Denver's a mess right now. I mean, you guys heard me talk about it on, on the review episode the other day that, you know, the the offense and their, their um, inadequacies – how poorly Russell Wilson is playing after they gave up a King's ransom uh, to trade for him uh, and everything is being grossly, is grossly overshadowing how well and how lights out their defense has been all season long. You know, like I, I talked about it at length on, on Monday after the game, but, you know, in a, in a losing effort, they gave up 17 points to the Seahawks week one. Nine points when they beat the... Texans only 10 points when they beat the 49ers their one bad game which I believe had some defensive touchdowns maybe and some special teams touchdowns in there against the Raiders when they gave up 32 points when they beat the Col- when they lost to the Colts they only gave up 12 points in that game and then this past Monday against the Chargers 19 points so only in one game all season have they allowed more than 20 points the problem is in all six games they're Offense has only scored 20 points more than once, one time. Or more, more than 20 points one time so far. And that was in the losing effort to the Raiders. The two games they've won, they scored 16 points and 11. This is an offense that is struggling right now. I mean, and when you make a trade like the one that Denver made, where you give up three first-round picks, you gave up some young prospects and Noah Fant and Drew Locke and, and things like that, you make a trade like that when you think, you are one player away from going to the promised land. That's when you make a trade like that. When, when you trade away your immediate future, they're not going to have a first-round pick for the next three seasons. You make a trade like that because you think you're going to be a championship team right away. You make a trade like that, and they are anything but right now. They, they've lost games they should have definitely won. They've barely squeaked by in games uh, they should have won. Uh, and and they've just looked so bad. They they had that that nice 
that nice first quarter, they scored 10 points right off the bat. They were looking good. And then six points on two field goals the rest of the way through and not looking good in the process. I mean, they just disappeared after that 10 nothing start uh, in the first quarter. And the Jets, on the other hand, they're rolling right now. You know, they're 4-2, and two, much like the Giants, the other team in New York. No one expected them to uh, be here. Uh, they had that, that loss week one to the Ravens. They, they had that come-from-behind victory over the Browns week two. They lost to the Bengals week three. And since then, really good-looking wins against the Steelers, the Dolphins, and then this past Sunday against the, the Packers kind of legitimized that win streak by beating Green Bay in Green Bay, especially in the fashion uh, in which they did. And with the way that, that Russell uh, Wilson and that offense is struggling to protect Wilson uh, and move the football. If the defense that played against Green Bay on Sunday shows up to play Denver, it's going to be an all, another long afternoon uh, for, the, uh, for the Broncos. I mean, they need to get themselves righted away immediately. You know, I mean, this is one of those situations where they're playing so poorly right now. This could cost Nathaniel Hackett his job, and he's in his first year. As the coach, that's how badly this is going. So there's been a lot of scrutiny around the the decisions that he's made, the things that he's been doing, and how inept the offense looks uh, and everything. And after bringing in a future Hall of Fame quarterback, it's not supposed to look like this. They're not supposed to be struggling this way. And, you know, like, it's it's bad enough. I mean, I haven't heard about Hackett being on 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 the hot seat or anything like that, but it's going that bad. It is going that bad that he very well could get himself fired after the first year if they keep playing like this, if they keep wasting these these efforts of what is playing like a championship defense right now, and you can't get them 17 points uh, a game to to help them out. It definitely is one of those things that could end up costing the head coach's job. That's how badly it's going out there. The Jets, on the other hand, under Robert Sala, I believe this is his second year as the head coach. These guys are right on track, or at least that's where you want to be when you're in year two. You know, you got the second year with your quarterback, and, and you know, the offense is starting to turn things around. The defense is playing well, which is what Robert Sala was known for. He was one of the best defensive coordinators in the league when he got hired uh, by the Jets. So they're kind of right on schedule right now with the 4-2 and two record. Uh, and looking good right now, only a game behind uh, the Bills in the AFC East. <laughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by PointsBet. Guys, it's finally here. Sports Drink and PointsBet have partnered up to bring you the world's greatest BTU-themed threads for the Bears season. Just imagine the blue and orange confetti can- cascading down from the rafters of State Farm Stadium while you're donning the greatest T-shirt known to man. A Bears Talk Underground t-shirt. And it's very simple. You got to go to sportsdrink.org slash shirts, fill out the quick Google form, register for your points bet account, and deposit at least $10. It's all it's going to cost you. You want to get your hands on this t-shirt, and then finally you upload your proof of deposit uh, as well. Once you submit, our beautiful friends will have your shirt out the door and on the way to you. And once again, that is sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Once again, sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Guys, 
I'm in my 16th season doing this show. It's the first time I've had a shirt available for my podcast. I'm so proud to finally have one, and I want you to have it. So follow the steps and get yourself your very own Bearstalk Underground t-shirt today. And thank you to PointsBet for partnering up with Sports Drink, and thanks to PointsBet for sponsoring the podcast. (laughs) Moving on to Las Vegas, where the Raiders host the Texans uh, on Sunday. Talk about another team that needs a win badly uh, in the uh, in the Raiders. It's like it is just not going well uh, out there uh, at all. You know they had the bye week this week, and boy did they need it. You know the they the twenty four nineteen they lose to the Chargers week one. Um, they gave the game away against Arizona. You know they had a big lead over Arizona late. They ended up choking that one away, and Arizona took it from them uh, in overtime. They couldn't finish the comeback uh, against the Titans week three, so they start 0-3. And then they go ahead and play the only team in the division that's worse than them with the Broncos and, and you know put together a 32-23 to win in that one. And then probably, you know, depending on who you talk to, it was either, you know, them simply not being good enough or a bad coaching um, decision by Josh McDaniels against the Chiefs Last Monday night, you know, they, they score a touchdown. They kick an extra point. They tie it. They go to overtime. Instead, McDaniels wants to go for the win and go for the two-point try to take a 31-30 lead. They come up short, and there's your ball game. So depends on who you talk to on that one. I'm sure Raider fans would blame it more on the coach than, uh, than anything else. Like, yeah, never mind that we gave up four touchdown passes to Travis Kelsey and all that kind of stuff, and we were up 20-10 to 10, uh, in that game and, and left the Chiefs come roaring back and take it away from us and everything. Never mind that. We had a chance to you know, tie this thing and send it to overtime. We got greedy and went for the win, and, and we came up short uh, and everything. But this is a team that needs the win, and they've got the right team coming into town if you're looking to bounce back. It's just a matter of making it happen. You know, as uh, Chris Berman from ESPN said all those years, this is why they play the games. Like, on paper, this should be a laugher for the Raiders. It's like based on the talent they have on their team versus what uh, Houston is cobbling together as a football team uh, these days. It should be a relatively easy win uh, for the Raiders. But two problems. The Raiders are not playing like they should right now. And Lovey Smith has a talent for making guys play better than they are. So we saw we saw the struggles that the Bears had with this team. Uh, you know they've got a young hot running back in Damian Pierce. Uh, you know the their rookie draft pick Davis Mills is managing the game uh, and everything. There's a real talent deficit between these two teams, but Lovey has a way of coaching uh, and scheming things to, to keep his guys uh, in it. It'd be a matter of. Uh, Quite, uh, quite a bit of interest for me to see how this one shakes out uh, on Sunday between the Raiders and the Texans. Moving on, the Chargers coming off of their win on the, from the, against the Broncos on Monday night, hosting the uh, Seattle Seahawks. So you've got this team in the Chargers that I thought they would win the AFC West. I really thought that with the way that they played last year, the constant growth of, of Justin Herbert, and the additions they made in the offseason, I really thought they were shaping themselves up to be not only the best team in the AFC West, but one of the best teams in the conference, period. 
And then the season started, and their guys started dropping like flies. J.C. Jackson, a guy that they paid a ton of money to uh, in free agency to lure him away from the Patriots, got benched uh, on Monday uh, against the Broncos. That's how poorly he's been playing thus far when he's been healthy because I think he's missed two or three of the six games played so far uh, with injuries. Um, you know, they bring in Khalil Mack, traded him, you know, got a trade from the Bears to bring him in and bringing him in as the perfect bookend to Joey Bosa. And Bosa goes down with a groin injury that's going to keep him out at least eight weeks uh, and everything. So there goes that plan uh, shot dead in the water uh, kind of thing. And, you know, the, the, the Chargers have been struggling. Uh, this year, um, they they got that win week one against the Raiders. Tight losses that that Thursday night game, man. I really thought they were going to beat the Chiefs uh, that that night, and um, you know they were driving to do it. Herbert throws the pick six, and that was pretty much the end of it there. And then they got waylaid by the um, Jaguars at home, thirty eight to ten. I mean, that's where I jumped on the Jacksonville Jack. I mean, I didn't think they were going to do much of anything, but it's like, yeah, this is going to be a fun team to watch. Doug Peterson's really got something going with these guys. And, you know, but it's like the following week, they beat the Texans 34 to 24. The week after that, thanks to a missed field goal in, at the last second, they hang on to beat the Browns. And then not the prettiest performance on Monday against the Broncos. So they're, they're at 4-2 and two right now, tied with the Chiefs at the top of the – uh, division in the AFC West uh, right now. But it hasn't looked the way that you thought it would going into the – I mean, they've got the record they probably should have at this point. I think – actually, they should probably be 5-1 and one, uh, right now. But 4-2 and two is nothing to sneeze at. They're definitely in the mix. You know, their record is is what it is. It's just that thanks to injuries and, and what other, other factors, it's not the prettiest 4-2. and two. And they're not the most confident team to, uh, to be getting behind uh, this year. And then you have the Seahawks, who were going into the season as a team that basically everybody was playing for. Like, this is a team that is coming in there just to get through these 17 games so they can draft their quarterback of the future in the 2023 draft. Because they've got a King's ransom worth of draft picks because of the Russell Wilson trade. And they're going to be able to use that to maneuver their way around the board to get the young talent that they need to rebuild the ship in Seattle. Like this is the year where they're going to take their lumps and then next year they're going to have their picks and get their young guys that they're going to build the future around. Um, But I guess they forgot to tell Geno Smith uh, and the rest of the Seahawks because this is a team that is playing good football uh, right now. You know, they shocked the world when they beat the Broncos week one on Monday Night Football. Um, They had that tough loss against the Niners week two, but they've been in every game outside of that loss to San Francisco. They they came up short against the Falcons week three, but that's a loss that's looked better the further they've gotten away from and the Falcons are playing good football right now. So it doesn't look as bad as it did when they lost that home game to Atlanta. It looks a lot better now. They have that shootout with the Lions, 48-45, to where they just kind of outlasted them. 39-32 on the road uh, against the Saints last week and then beating the Cardinals. It was a snooze fest of a football game, but they won. They won a division game against the Cardinals. They sit 
at three and three when like when the schedule came out, you're like, okay, maybe, maybe two and four, maybe if they can beat the Lions, you know, they should be able to beat the Falcons, maybe two and four. And instead, they're a good looking three and three. The arrow is pointing up for the Seahawks with the way that Geno Smith is playing and the way that they're using the the weapons that they do have. You know, Pete Carroll's doing a heck of a job, probably doing his best coaching job in, in his entire tenure uh, in Seattle with the way he's getting these guys to show up and, and, and play. So, you know, it's, it's not quite as easy to pick as it would have been when I was looking at the schedule when it came out uh, back in May. We were like, well, just automatically circle that one for the Chargers. The Seattle Seahawks are going to be a disaster. It's like, eh, not so much, man. They're, uh, they're playing out of their minds. Uh, right now, so it's uh, it's not going to be that easy uh, with the way the Chargers are playing right now, the way the Seattle's playing right now. It could go either way. Very very interesting matchup. Last Sunday night afternoon game, we got the Chiefs going to San Francisco. Big game for both teams. San Francisco, um, you know, three and three right now, coming off that loss to. Uh, the Falcons on Sunday, you know, they came off of two very impressive wins. Um, the Rams on Monday night where they just dominated the Rams, six, seven sacks on Stafford, just dominated it all the way, all the way through. Uh, and then they go on the road and they stomp a mud hole in the Panthers, 37 to 15 and a performance so bad by Carolina, it got their head coach fired. And then they go on the road and the injuries just uh, caught up to them. You know, they, they just uh, they got off to a bad start. They, uh, they gave up the fumble, the scoop and score uh, to put themselves in a 14 nothing hole, and they were able to dig themselves out to get even at 14, but they gave up that touchdown just before halftime when Mariota ran it in uh, to take the lead at the half and never recovered from it. They got shut out in the second half. Jimmy Garoppolo's turning the football over uh, and things like that. Those are the kind of performances you can't, you can't afford. And they're going up against one of the best teams in football with the Chiefs on Sunday. The only thing that's kind of saving San Francisco right now is that it's at home. And San Francisco plays very, very well uh, at home, no matter how good or bad uh, they are. They are a tough out at home. I mean, two weeks ago, they dominated the defending world champions to the tune of six sacks and only nine points, uh, you know, to Stafford uh, and company. So, you know, I, I think they'll be a tough out for sure. Um, but it's like the Chiefs are looking to rebound from that loss to Buffalo uh, on Sunday, especially with Mahomes throwing the interception at the end of the game that that sealed it up uh, for Buffalo and everything. It's going to uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Kansas City comes out of the gates with this one. Do, do they slow roll it or do they come out and be like, well? Kansas City just went bananas and scored 21 points in the first quarter, and San Francisco struggling to uh, catch up because San Francisco doesn't have the firepower to go toe-to-toe with Kansas City. So it's going to be up to their defense to wrangle the Chiefs in this one so that Jimmy Garoppolo and his 19 points a game or whatever it is can uh, you know help the 49ers get out ahead. Because if the 49ers don't add a special teams touchdown or a a scoop and score, a pick six or something like that, I don't think the offense is going to be enough to go into shootout mode uh, with Kansas City. Because on offense, if you shut down Debo Samuel, that takes away your big play uh, ability. 
And if you keep uh, George Kittle under wraps, there goes your offense. So I was like, I know they love to run the football and everything, but it's just when you get behind, like the Chiefs are capable of doing to, to teams, they start scoring some points. You're going to have to abandon the running game. And you saw how well that worked for the 49ers against the Bears week one when they got behind and they had to start throwing the football. Trey Lance was useless uh, in that one. Granted, they were in typhoon conditions with the rain uh, and everything, but you get what I'm talking about. This is not an offense that's built to go toe-to-toe, so it really will be up to the defense to contain this Kansas City offensive attack to keep their offense in, you know, in striking distance so that it can go down uh, to the wire. So I just think it's more likely that Kansas City scores the points that they want to uh, and San Francisco is playing from behind throughout the game. Uh, interesting Sunday night matchup as we start to wrap things up here. Uh, the Dolphins hosting the Steelers. Um, I'm wondering what the quarterback matchup is going to be in this one because I read today that Kenny Pickett cleared concussion protocol. So they stick, so they, so they put the rookie back out there or do they stick with Mitch Trubisky who helped them get the win against Tampa Bay uh, last Sunday. And then on the Dolphins side, Tua is practicing. He's most likely going to be your starter uh, on Sunday night. Um, I don't know what happened to well, Bridgewater finished the game, so he's healthy, but you know, do they stick with Bridgewater to protect Tua, you know, rest them another week or whatever? Or is he going to start and play uh, against the, the Steelers who harassed Tom Brady to no end uh, on, on Sunday uh, in Pittsburgh? So it'll be interesting to see how this one goes. You know, Miami, um, what they've lost three in a row, so they need a win. I mean, they were, th- they were one of the last undefeated teams with a 3-0 and record after beating the Bills. They beat the Patriots week one. They had that great comeback victory against the Ravens week two, and then they held on to beat the Bills week three. Since then, Thursday night loss against the Bengals. Uh, that loss last week, to, or two weeks ago, to the Jets, where it was 19-17 in the fourth quarter, and then you got a bunch of, you know, some turnovers and things like that. That thing got away from them huge in the fourth quarter. They ended up losing that one 40-17. And then last week against the, uh, against the Vikings, the defense played awesome. But in those moments where, you know, Minnesota was able to put together a drive, once Minnesota got momentum, they put it into the end zone uh, and everything. And the the Dolphins could only muster 16 points uh, on offense. So they need a win. This would be a good place to get one. You know, the the Steelers uh, are playing improved since they've kind of figured out their quarterback situation or they think they have. Uh, and whatnot. They snapped a four-game losing streak by beating Tampa uh, on Sunday with a big upset uh, and everything. So this is an important game. Um, I think Miami needs it more, though. So, I mean, they definitely do need it more. Three-game losing streak after being a 3-0 and uh, team. It looks like they're getting their quarterback back on Sunday. So we'll see how it works out uh, for them especially if it's Tua. But I'm more interested to see who Pittsburgh's going to trot out there. Will it be the St- Will it be Pickett or will it be Trubisky? Uh, and I think it says a lot about the future of the team as far as, you know, who ends up trotting out there to start the game. You know, maybe they go back and forth throughout the game with the two of them. I mean, that's always an option. It's not a pretty one, but maybe it could be an effective one. But uh, we'll see who goes out there first uh, on Sunday night. And finally... We got the Patriots hosting 
our beloved Chicago Bears, and, and you guys are here tomorrow on the uh, preview episode, uh, Pat Lane from the Pat Nation, Patriot Nation podcast, um, thinks very highly of our quarterback, as a lot of people do, um, is, is also frustrated as a Justin Fields fan how much the Bears offense is struggling, how they are or are not uh, using him. We talked about that at great length. It's, it, was, it was an awesome interview. I can't wait for you guys to hear it uh, tomorrow. But, you know, it, it, it's – I wonder because bye weeks were like kryptonite to Matt Nagy. The football team did not come out looking like they were a team that was rested or that had extra time to prepare uh, for the game. They always looked like they were catching up despite having – four extra days or a full week more to prepare uh, for a football game. So I am very interested to see how the Bears will look when they hit the field uh, on Monday. New England, on the other hand, Bailey Zappi is, you know, is playing good football right now. 302 yards, two touchdowns, no picks last week against the, uh, against the Browns. He was efficient. Uh, he got the job done. He did exactly what uh, was needed of him in his second start. I mean, he did well against the uh, Patriots, or excuse me, against the Lions two weeks ago. But, you know, it was the Lions, and they weren't asking of him much. They kicked a lot of field goals in that game. But this past Sunday, throwing touchdowns to Hunter Henry and, uh, you know, Tyquan Thompson, or Tyquin, I think that's what his name is. I apologize if I got his name wrong. But the wide receiver Thompson, their second-round pick uh, this year, you know, just getting it done. And, you know, he's been looking efficient. They're running the ball uh, fairly well. Their offense is looking sharp. Their defense has an elite pass rusher in Matt Judon uh, and everything that's looking to uh, feast on Justin Fields. It's all going to come down to how the Bears look. You know, will they be prepared? Uh, will they look like they're ready to go uh, on Monday night? It will all come down to that, in my opinion. So, I mean, as far as, like, who's the better team? It's, well, New England's clearly playing better than the Bears are uh, right now. So, you know, and I also wonder how uh, Belichick will tailor his game plan to to shut us down. Um, you know, and Pat and I talked about it during the interview. Is like if you're if you're Belichick, you're going to put 13 guys in the box and dare Justin Fields to beat you. You know, that's what you're going to do. You're going to take away the one thing that we do well, which is running the football. You're going to take that away from us. You're going to dare Justin Fields, who is struggling in the passing game right now, you're going to dare him to throw the ball and be the one that beats you. So maybe that's something that can work for the Bears, putting the ball in Justin Fields' hands and let him do uh, what he does, run the offense to the way that he sees fit. I would love to see it happen. So, But I'm, I'm going to have to see it happen first before I have any confidence in feeling like that's the way it's going to go down. Okay, so there we go. All 14 games broken down. Yeah, 14. All 14 games broken down. Going to take a little break. We're going to bring in our guest picker, and I'm going to make my picks. My guest is going to make their picks and see what kind of genius I am at the end of this if I have a civilian come in here and just make random picks based on whatever makes them pick whatever they pick versus me with my strategy and my analysis and my expertise and see how well I do. So take a quick break. We'll bring my guest in. See how this goes. Okay, kids, 
here we are. We've uh, I've broken down all fourteen games. My thoughts on on uh, you know how the games will go or how they could go. I've been very uh, cautious not to give away my picks. I think I gave away a few, but um, but nonetheless, my inspiration for this little uh, soiree that I'm holding here. Uh, I thought back on a, there was like an old SNL skit, and I'm pretty sure it was Peyton Manning that was host of the, um, host of SNL that week. And it was March Madness, and they did this skit where Peyton Manning was the old uh, expert, and he was using expertise and analysis to make his picks. And they were, they had like, like a local anchor or something like that making her picks and she was making picks based on, well, I heard the coach was a Libra and I'm a Libra. So I picked them and they should win when they were the 14 seed had no business winning. And lo and behold, they won. They show Peyton's picks where he's the expert and, you know, unquestioned uh, expert that everyone believes in. He's got nothing but X's and wrong picks all over his bracket. Meanwhile, I think the other, uh, the other anchor was played by Amy Poehler her bracket is spotless. She's picking perfectly, even though she's using no expertise, no analysis whatsoever to make these picks. So who would be the best person to pull this scenario off? And she came to visit me this week while I was on vacation. It's my mom. Hi, mom. Hi, honey. (laughs) So my mother was not thrilled when I told her, Ma, guess what? While you're in town this week, I'm going to have you on my podcast and you're going to pick the games on Sunday to see if I can, if you can make me look like an idiot or if I'm actually an expert can pick football games and, and see like what, what like casual knowledge and whatever studying you did uh, to put together your picks to see how your picks stand up against mine. So I thought it would be fun. Plus I had dad on the podcast earlier this summer. So I thought it'd only be fair uh, to have you on as well. Now I have to get Monica and Michael on the show at some point, my brother and my sister, to kind of sweep the board on the uh, on the family there. Agnes too, why not? But um, so here we are, Ma. You, you you've done your studying. You have your picks written down there on your trusty little spiral notebook. So first up, we have the Arizona Cardinals, the New Orleans Saints. It's our Thursday night matchup. Like I was saying, I'm 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 interested to see how this one is uh, going to go, especially since I haven't gotten a pick right on Thursday night since week one. So I've gotten five games in a row wrong on Thursday night. So I already have anxiety over my pick. Not to mention, it's a game that really could go either way between these two teams. So, who do you like on Thursday? Well, I was kind of looking. Or trying to do my homework, but I don't understand this stuff. But <laughs> I just like to watch the games because I think it's fun and exciting. Right. So hmm, I'm going to say the Cardinals because even though New Orleans is hot as the blazes of hell, I think Arizona is quite hotter. So Arizona is going to be doing it because they're used to their weather. Well, they play in a dome. Oh, well, I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick a man. Both anyway. teams actually play in a dome. New Orleans plays in a dome, even though, like you said, it's hot as blazes. That's why they play in a dome. And then Arizona, they are in the desert, so they put a dome over the desert. Okay, well then the New Orleans Saints didn't do so well last week, so I say the 
Cardinals are going to kill them this okay. week. Okay, so mom's going with the Cardinals. I am taking the Saints. Uh, I have more belief in what New Orleans is doing right now than than Arizona. They are just struggling. So, of course, that means that Arizona is going to win because I'm picking against them. So that's just how Thursday night has gone for me. I picked the Bears to win last week, and they most decidedly did not win last week against the Washington. That was a brutal. I could have told them that. Yeah. Liar. <laughs> Lies. She's telling the whole world. All right, Atlanta and Cincinnati right now. The Bengals and the Falcons. And I'm guessing you're going to take Cincinnati since you're so fascinated with the cute Joe Burrow. I am. Okay. Because he is cute in his outfit. And also, he plays a good game. So I'm going with the Bengals. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with the Falcons on this one. Um, I don't know. I don't know. This is this is like one of those flip a coin games uh, for me. I mean, I, I I like Cincinnati. I've always kind of had a sentimental attachment to the Bengals for one reason or another, but I just like the way the Falcons are playing right now. So, even though it's on the road, I'm going with the Falcons. So we're going against each other here, Mom. So it's kind of the point of this. But all right, so we move on. Dallas hosting the Detroit Lions. Um, this is not a hard decision for me to make. Who did you go with? I'm going with Dallas. Okay. You can't go wrong since they have legendary Warren Moon. Moon, no. Wait, am I wrong? You are. Warren Moon played for the Houston Oilers. Wait, who was it? Who was the other one? What do you mean the other one? The one in Dallas. Well, you had Troy Aikman. You had Emmett Smith. You had Roger Staubach. You... Roger Staubach. Okay. Roger Staubach, Warren Moon. You can get those guys mixed up all the time, you know? So, it happens. It happens, Ma. Don't worry. Anyways, I love Dallas. You know, Anyways, like, I'm going know, with Dallas. I saw Warren Moon in a hotel lobby once. I was like, Roger Stavak? What's he doing here? Oh, wait. No, that's Warren Moon. Okay. My bad. Tomato, tomato. There you go. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Tomato, pickle, whatever. Um, yes, I'm also going with the Cowboys. The Detroit Lions are awful. Even though they score a ton of points, they give up even more. So, that... Uh, is problematic when you're trying to win a football game. So I will also take the Dallas Cowboys. Indianapolis Colts hosting the, or excuse me, on on the road at the Tennessee Titans. This game taking place in uh, Nissan Stadium in Nashville on Sunday. Tennessee coming off of the bye week, so they're well-rested. The Colts coming off of an exciting come-from-behind win against the Jaguars in their own stadium going against the Titans, who they lost to a couple of weeks ago in their own building. So now they're on the road looking for revenge. Where do you see this one going, Ma? Tennessee. Tennessee. I like that pick as well. I'm also taking the Tennessee Titans. Green Bay at Washington. The Commanders, who uh, you know played uh, bad visitors to us uh, by beating us in our own home stadium last Thursday, will be hosting the Green Bay Packers, who we all hate with a passion, and who are also, as much as, as we Bear fans are enjoying it, not playing very well right now. They got destroyed in their own building on Sunday against the Jets. Um, you know, Washington coming off the, the mini-buy because you get that 10 days between the Thursday night game and the next Sunday game. Green Bay looking for revenge uh, for, you know, or to avenge that loss against the Jets. Where do you see this one going? 
I say Washington. Mom likes the Commanders. That's that's interesting. You should go to Vegas and put some money on that one. If you get that one right, you'll come away with a killing. That's for sure. Uh, I, I gotta I go. Contact. What's that? I wonder who I can contact. I in wonder. Vegas. Um, I'm gonna go with Green Bay. Um, despite everything, I I think it will be closer than it should be because Washington's defensive front will get after uh, Rodgers uh, on Sunday. But I still think Green Bay is just a far superior team, so they should win on Sunday. Give me the Packers. Now, we got Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers, heading off to Carolina to take on the Panthers. I wonder who the starting quarterback for Carolina will be. Will it be P.J. Walker, who played for the injured Baker Mayfield, last week or will it be Sam Darnold who returned to practice this week and the bigger question is will the Buccaneers be able to score enough points to win because that offense is struggling like no other uh, in the league right now you know the defense is going to show up and and bottle up Carolina especially since they're awful but will, will Tampa Bay be able to score enough points to win what do you think I'm going with the Panthers mom's going with the Panthers going against the grain good for you ma I'm taking Tampa Bay because, like I said, Carolina is just a god-awful team, and uh, Tampa Bay should score enough points to win uh, on Sunday. Jacksonville hosting the New York Giants. Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson struggling on a three-game losing streak right now. The Giants playing out of their minds 5-1 and one with two really good wins over the Packers and the Baltimore Ravens the last two weeks. How do you see this one going, Ma? I go with the Giants. Mom likes the Giants. I'm with her on that one. So uh, I um, I want to believe that the Jaguars are finally turning things around, but uh, those are two really bad losses the last two weeks uh, against Houston at home and then letting that one get away from them against the Colts uh, on Sunday. The Giants are just playing inspired football right now. I think the great equalizer could be that terrible, muggy uh, Florida heat uh, and everything, but I still think it, it won't be enough to uh, neutralize the Giants. I think they get it done uh, against the Jaguars. Baltimore Ravens, Cleveland Browns in Baltimore on Sunday. The Ravens coming off of their third come-from-behind loss of the season. You know, they've they've won three games, and but the three games they've lost, they had the lead going into the fourth quarter. They blew it again against the Giants this past Sunday and when they got the they had a drive or had a chance to drive down they had the football they had a a minute or so to go first play the quarterback gets the ball ripped out of his hands the Giants recover ball game over the Browns on the other hand just got beat 38 to 15 uh by the uh by the Patriots they've lost three and three in a row so far uh going into this one it's a divisional matchup these guys play against each other twice a year so they're very familiar uh, with one another. What do you think, Mom, Ravens or Browns? Mm. They're both not doing very well, are they? Uh, well, the, the Ravens are better, but they keep finding ways to lose. They're 3-3 three and three right now. The Browns are 2-4. and four. I'm going to go for Cleveland. I'm going right. to see them bringing it out. Thinks the Browns will get that division win over the Ravens on Sunday. Now we're into the late games. You got the Jets uh, over or against the uh, Denver Broncos in Denver uh, on Sunday. That that Mile High Stadium that uh, you know can sometimes be an equalizer. That high altitude you know makes it hard to breathe 
uh, kind of thing. But the the Jets coming off that big win against the the Packers uh, on Sunday, Denver looked terrible on Monday night against the uh, Chargers. You know they're wasting the effort they're getting from that defense that they have because they literally cannot score points. The two games they've won this year, they won sixteen to nine and eleven to ten. So their offense is not getting the job done. So they're hosting the Jets, who are playing outstanding right now. Will that mile high altitude be enough to take to give the win to the Bron- Broncos, Ma, or will the Jets come out on top? Well, I do love Denver, but I honestly believe that the New York Jets are going to do it. All right. Mom and I in agreement on that one. I like the Jets uh, as well. Vegas and Houston, a pair of teams that really need a win. Vegas probably more so than Houston because nobody's expecting anything from the Texans this year. People were expecting big things uh, from Las Vegas. They made the Devontae Adams trade and just bolstering that offense of theirs to, to go along with Derek Carr and their brand-new head coach, Josh McDaniels, who was an offensive guru. But this team is, has struggled um, with consistency. They gave away a big lead in week number two. They choked away a, a, an easy victory against the Cardinals and lost it. Uh, in overtime, and uh, they 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 made a, a, a an egregious error in the Monday night game two weeks ago against the Chiefs. They scored a touchdown that could have tied it, but instead of kicking the extra point, they went for two to go for the win, and they failed. So they ended up losing uh, that game. I mean, they could have easily lost in overtime as well, but we'll never know because we didn't get there. So, um, I like the Raiders uh, in this one. I and, and I just think they need it more uh, than Houston does. But what do you think? I think I'm going to go with Houston. Okay. Mom likes Warren Moon and the Houston Texans uh, <laughs> in this one. So moving uh, moving on, you got the L.A. Chargers hosting the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks, on paper, supposed to be one of the worst teams in football, but they're 3-3. Three and three. They're getting it done uh, right now. The Chargers are 4-2. and two. They were supposed to be one of the better teams going into the league, and, and while they are – four and two it has not been pretty uh getting there so you know they're at home they're in SoFi Stadium that big five billion dollar structure that they built out there for the Chargers and the Rams hosting the uh Seahawks um what do you think mom wait where are we the Chargers (laughs) am I keeping you awake over there mom it's uh the Chargers (laughs) and the Seahawks Chargers or Seahawks that's what we're talking Seattle Mom likes the Seahawks. Actually, so do I. I'm going to go with the uh, the Seahawks on this one. I just um, I don't like the cut of uh, LA's jib right now. I'm I'm I like the Seahawks better at the moment. I'm I'm probably going to get that one wrong, but I feel better picking the the Seahawks than I do the Chargers right now. Me too. So we got San Francisco, who used to be an old favorite of yours, Mom. I uh, know Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, and all those guys. San Francisco hosting. The Kansas City Chiefs uh, on Sunday, one of the big late games uh, next week. You got Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs coming off that tough loss to Buffalo. Uh, San Francisco, which is just being ravaged by injuries right now, lost a tough game on the road to uh, Atlanta uh, on Sunday, but they're coming back home. You know, it's always tough when West Coast teams play on the East Coast because when they play the early game, it's basically a 10 a.m. kickoff them where it's one o'clock in the afternoon on the east coast it's 10 a.m on the west coast so 
a lot of times West Coast teams struggle on the East Coast. So maybe it doesn't mean a whole lot as far, you know, like it's just one of those one of those tough games that they uh, that they have to play and they just can't uh, overcome jet lag or whatever it is, you know, on the on the East Coast, but they did not look good uh, against the uh, Falcons last week and they're hosting a very good football team that's uh, very angry about losing that last game on Sunday. So I know they should have had that game. Yeah, you like the 49ers or the Chiefs in this the one? The Chiefs. Mom likes the Chiefs. I'm going with the Chiefs uh, as well. I think you'll see a an inspired San Francisco uh, team on Sunday, but they're just missing too many pieces to be able to keep pace with Kansas City. Not to mention, you know, Kansas City specializes in scoring touchdowns, and San Francisco struggles to score points. So it's not a good combination. So unless San Francisco pitches a shutout, I don't like their chances against the Chiefs uh, on Sunday. So, And then the Sunday night game, we got the Dolphins hosting the Steelers. Um, our old friend Mitch Trubisky could be starting for the Steelers on Sunday. Miami might have their quarterback, uh, Tua Tungavailoa. Try and say that five times fast, Ma. I can't even say it once. Right, there you go. Um, he's most likely to be back after being out a couple of weeks on a concussion uh, protocol. And, um, you know, Miami's lost three in a row. They started 3-0, and you know, lost those three straight games there. Pittsburgh, on the other hand, snapped a four-game losing streak by beating Tom Brady and the Buccaneers at home uh, on Sunday. But the real question is, who's going to start for them? Because Trubisky finished the game because their rookie quarterback left with a concussion, but he's already been cleared to return to practice. So do you put the ball back in the rookie's hands? Do you put the hero put the hero back out on the field for him to start? And then how will Miami look with Tua coming off of a two- or three-week uh, concussion uh, absence? So how do you like this one? I'm going to go with the Dolphins because I just feel they need to get a chance, and I think that they'll come back after their three-game losing streak. Yep. Okay. Mom likes the Dolphins, and so do I, actually. Um, I don't think it matters who the quarterback is for uh, Pittsburgh. I like that Miami defense, and I think that you'll see a spark out of the offense for Tua on Sunday. And then finally, almost done, Mom. We got the Bears on the road at New England for Monday Night Football. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. I am, um, I am very interested to see how the Bears look when the game starts because when Matt Nagy was our head coach, whether it was the short, as they call it, the mini-buy, when you play on Thursday, you got 10 days until you play your next game, or in this case, 11 games because we're playing on Monday. Um, we always look flat. They didn't look prepared. They always looked like they were – scrambling to catch up with their opponents. I'm wondering how they're going to look on Monday under our brand new head coach. Will they look more prepared? Will they be ready? Will they not be playing from behind automatically? And offense, or excuse me, the Patriots are playing solid offense right now under their rookie uh, quarterback who's coming off the bench because their starter got hurt uh, and everything. They, they play good defense. They give out a genius uh, of a head coach, and they're at home. Uh, on Monday night. So you're picking the Patriots? I'm picking the Patriots because it'll be like a God's miracle if <laughs> Chicago wins. I, and I love Chicago. I do. I They're do terrible. too. Yes, they are. They were terrible last year, and <laughs> I was hoping they would be better this year. Yep. They're not. They're not. Not yet, anyway. They're struggling. They're trying to find their way. Hopefully they find it. We'll both be rooting for the Bears to win 
on Monday. We both want the Bears to win on yes. Monday, but uh, you can't bank on it. I feel bad right for now. those guys, the yeah. new guys, all this pressure on them. You can do it. <laughs> but uh, we're both taking the Patriots there to uh, to close it out. So, so there we have it. Mom, I'm going to hang on to your uh, picks so I can refer to them uh, next week when uh, when I do the review. Uh, episode, see how that goes, or or you'll still be here. Maybe we'll have you back on, so you can be like, <laughs> I did better than you. So we'll see. Well, just a little message. Don't judge me. It's my first time, Ma. This is be why gentle. I, I'm actually testing myself. Is what's happening here? It, it's me that's being judged because I brought someone in who's not an expert who doesn't watch all the games like I do to see. Because I had a five and nine week last week. If you're a supposed expert, you're not supposed to go five and nine. You're supposed to do a lot better than that. So if uh, you know if you do better than me, then maybe I just need to hang it up and just talk about the Bears and leave the rest of the NFL uh, alone. If I go ahead and choke again uh, this week, no, but, uh, you cannot. You've been going to the Bears game since you were two years old. I knew. You I know. I didn't say up. I would give up the Bears. I said maybe I'd give up making picks. Uh, because apparently I'm not good at it. So that's the best part. I know, I know. We'll see, but I don't. I don't want to go through the season and then have a hundred losses because I can't get a thing right. So right now I'm 48, 45, and one or something uh, like that. Not terrible. I'm better above 500, but uh, five and nine last week that hurt. That hurt for sure. But um, anyway, we'll see how it um, how it goes. And uh, how the picks uh, shake out. Is, is mom the expert? Should I be consulting her for picks week in and week out? Or can I go back to calling myself the expert here? We'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see how it all goes. So um, I actually did learn from watching and hearing him. Yeah, she was sitting in the living room with me while I was doing the breakdowns and everything. So, I'm, of course, I had my back to her, so I don't know how long she was like furiously scribbling, changing picks she'd already made and changing them to something else. I, I, don't, have a, I don't have a window into that. But uh, I actually didn't make any changes to my picks. Okay, that's good. That's good. So pure picks from the, the, the most casual of fans, just uh, randomly selecting, you know, Warren Moon to win his matchup against Roger Staubach and, uh, you know, see how that goes uh, on Sunday <laughs> when, uh, when those two teams collide with one another. Uh, go Bears! Yay, go Bears! So, um, Mom, I got you on the show. Thanks so much uh, for being a good sport uh, and doing this, and uh, we'll see how it all uh, shakes out. Oh, thanks for having me, honey. Okay, guys, we'll be back tomorrow with myself and Pat Lane previewing Bears Patriots, breaking it all down. He's from the Patriot Nation podcast. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been Bears Talk Underground. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by PointsBet. Guys, it's finally here. Sports Drink and PointsBet have partnered up to bring you the world's greatest BTU-themed threads for the Bears season. Just imagine the blue and orange confetti cascading down from the rafters of State Farm Stadium while you're donning the greatest t-shirt known to man, a Bears Talk Underground t-shirt. And it's very simple. You got to go to sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Fill out the quick Google form, 
Register for your points bet account and deposit at least $10. That's all it's going to cost you. You want to get your hands on this T-shirt. And then finally, you upload your proof of deposit uh, as well. Once you submit, our beautiful friends will have your shirt out the door and on the way to you. And once again, that is sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Once again, sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Guys, I'm in my 16th season doing this show. It's the first time I've had a shirt available for my podcast. I'm so proud to finally have one, and I want you to have it. So follow the steps and get yourself your very own Bearstalk Underground t-shirt today. And thank you to PointsBet for partnering up with Sports Drink, and thanks to PointsBet for sponsoring the podcast. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.